Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the She Illuminates the World podcast. This is your host, Jocelyn Resnick. And today I am here with Jessica Ashley Steele, who is a self-love mentor and relationship coach. And we are going to be talking about self-love and self-acceptance and how that is the key to, to living a fulfilled life. And Jessica and I were back and forth on Instagram, just talking about self-love and, and how that always comes back to being the root of everything that we do. And we thought that it would be really great to share this conversation with all of our listeners because there's just so many gems and wisdom. And it's just, it's a conversation that is bigger than both of us. So I'm excited to have Jessica here, and I am going to let her introduce herself and share a little bit about the work that she does and her path to getting to where she is right now. Thank you so much, Jocelyn. I am very grateful to be here, and I'm so grateful to be sharing this conversation, like you said, that we've been having back and forth on Instagram. And just all of the gems that we've been uncovering through our conversations and seeing how the concept of self-love roots so strongly back to some of the concepts that we've been working on personally in our own journeys. And so just to start off for myself, I am a self-love mentor and relationship coach, and I ended up being on this path through life circumstances. So I would say that this path was something that seemed like it was carved out for me, even though it wasn't necessarily what I always envisioned myself doing and coming into the coaching space and the entrepreneurship space was something that I had had interest in working in the area of social science and so just from dating back to around a couple years ago when I was at a point in my career that I didn't know what I wanted to do going forward I ended up getting into a graduate program that was focused on leadership and working in the area of social science because I didn't necessarily know where life was going to take me with that. But when I got into that program, it started connecting me with areas of sociology and social science. And I started putting these pieces together where at the point that I ended up graduating from that program, it ended up being during the apex and the spike of the global pandemic. And so at the time that I completed my program, it was around April, 2020. And that really put me in a situation where it forced me into this coaching space of what can I create for myself? Because there was a lot of challenges that were coming up in terms of job opportunities and in terms of what I could do and how I could take this work going forward. And I'm really grateful for that challenge that came up and for being pushed into this coaching space through those circumstances that were so far out of everyone's control. And what I've also noticed too, is that coming into this space has been such a reckoning for me and for my personal life and for my self-growth journey. And so the year 2020 coming out of that program, thinking that I was going to go into working for a fortune 500 company or go into some type of leadership position something that would work with agritech or a technology company. And 
not having those opportunities open to present themselves really forced me to start that depth of my self-love journey because the year 2020, I think was a lot of things that were unique for different people. And it's really been a moment that we've had to, in so many ways, pause and see where we're at inside of ourselves. And so that's really what took me off in this direction and starting to really live by the things that I share with clients and by the things that I teach has always been a priority for me. And just coming from having had a background of not being a person who was very secure, a person who had a lot of insecurities, who was very worried and concerned about what other people's thought about me, other people's opinions of me, and of not having had a solid base of self-love is really the reason that I ended up getting into this line of coaching and this branch of coaching. And so, gosh, taking it all the way back to being younger. And I remember being in high school and in my earlier years of college and not having a solid identity of who am I? And so not knowing who I was as a person, as a friend, as a woman, and really wanting to have a sense of belonging. I joke to clients and I joke online that I'm a recovering people pleaser. And so that's really what guides the direction of my work is having been in the situations where I very deeply and personally understand what it feels like to not have a very strong sense of self-esteem and to get a large majority of my sense of self-worth from what other people think about me and from what other people say about me and to feel validated by outside sources. So whether that's friend groups, approval from other people, romantic partners, approval from supervisors, from parents or family figures. And I saw how much of an impact that had on my joy and my happiness and how my happiness would fluctuate in and out multiple times, even throughout the course of one day. And so in one day, I could start off my day by getting a compliment and feel a spike in my sense of self-worth and my sense of self-esteem. And then maybe by midday, I would get, let's say, poor feedback on some type of an assignment I had turned in, or I would get some type of a criticism of, oh, work on this, improve this. And that would drop my sense of self-worth. And I would be like, oh, I didn't do this well enough. I failed the supervisor or the teacher said that I had to work on this. So that would just drop and then it would spike back up. Let's say if someone I was romantically interested in reached out to me or texted me. And so it would just spike back up and then it would drop again, like by towards the end of the day, say if something stressful happened or someone cut me off in traffic. And so I, again, wrapping this, tying this to what I was sharing at the beginning, 2020, finishing my program when I got out of grad school was really when I started to realize how susceptible I was to those ups and downs. Mm -hmm. And so I had lived my entire adult life as an adult woman, getting through undergrad, working for a major company and coming, transitioning out of that. And all of those processes in my life, no one had ever taught me about this. And I had never learned about these things. And so it was finally during the middle of the pandemonium or the uprisal of so many things shifting in that culturally space and shifting energetically and culturally for all of us that I finally started to realize, oh my goodness, I am a volatile and not very in control and not very grounded person in terms of my self-esteem, my self-worth, my self-love. 
who I think I am, my integrity, my values. And I started seeing all these things and I started realizing, but that's not okay with me because I am not comfortable or happy living anymore in that state of my wellness and my bliss and my happiness comes exclusively from other people. And when they approve of me or they praise me or they love me or they text me back or they hang out with me, whoever it is, I feel great and I feel seen and I feel validated. And when they do not, it is heart-wrenching and I feel so lonely. I feel so rejected. I feel very hurt and I just don't feel seen. I don't feel valued or appreciated. And so that tying that all full circle is of being in those situations of being a teenager and adolescent that didn't necessarily learn those skills or maybe have those healthy ways of managing my emotions modeled for me by other people and then transitioning into college and seeing those ups and downs and then finally coming out of my grad program and hitting that low point of self-worth of nobody wants to hire me we're in the middle of a pandemic this degree is useless like I just wasted all these years of my life you're a failure, you're unemployed, and all these self-deprecating thoughts and just having to completely scrap and then reinvent myself in a very intense way that, like I said, it seemed like life carved that out for me because I would have never guessed that I would be where I am right now and that I'd be doing what I'm doing right now and teaching people how to transition out of those places as well and taking them to a place of saying you can take control of your own internal compass and of the person that you are and more importantly most importantly of your emotions and of your joy and of choosing joy and you decide where that comes from and that's how you and I Jocelyn were connecting on saying but it all comes from the self it all starts with ourself right because even in the messages that you've shared about your experience all these messages we get culturally and from external people and from cultural forces of you should be this you should do that in order to be loved and accepted, you have to look like this. You have to compose yourself like this. You have to behave like this. And all those messages just completely infiltrating our senses of self-worth. And that really ties it full circle to how I got to where I am now, which I would have never guessed in a million years that I would be here having this conversation. But I am so grateful that I am wow, I'm so grateful that my dream of getting that corporate job didn't really go the way I wanted and that all these things kind of fell out of control and I didn't have really that, that life path that I had paved out for myself of what was successful and how I would be a successful woman didn't come to pass. It, it didn't play out the way I thought it would. Absolutely. And I'll also say like, you're coming to this realization so early in life too. I think a lot of people don't wake up to it until like years later. They finally mm. have that like, aha, that insight moment. So I think the fact that you're figuring this out, you know, straight out of college is such a big deal. And I mean, yeah. I can already tell that like, <laughs> this is about to be a very hefty conversation. Yes, I would, I would be happy with that. That's how I love it. <laughs> yeah. I want to have that, that real raw authentic conversation because basically for me, the way that I guide my coaching practice is what did I wish I knew? But years ago, what are what are some things that I wish that I had known or that I had been able to guide myself through, but I didn't necessarily have either a role model or a specific type of guidance that could have helped me healthily manage my emotions. And so specifically, I ended up turning to relationship coaching. And eventually that piece that came stronger in that was self-love mentorship. And what I realized was 
that for myself specifically when I was younger. And so during high school and undergrad, let's say, so when I was a younger adult in my late teens or early twenties, what I would turn to in that form of how do I feel validated? How do I feel loved? What I would always end up turning to instead of looking inside myself and turning inside myself, I would turn to others. And primarily I would turn to specifically romantic partners. And so for me, I became so fascinated with my relationship trajectory and my relationship history. And so I ended up doing a self-study and studying myself throughout all my relationships and seeing my, how I progressed through those. And I kept on seeing that I had these repeating patterns in these relationships that I would keep coming back to. And so I would end up ending a relationship and then starting a new relationship with a different partner. And I would see the same issues coming back up again. And I would be like, hold on. The reason that my relationship with the former person didn't work out was because we were having some issues. You know, these things were triggering me. They were bothering me. And so why are they coming back up again with this completely new person? And I started seeing how those turning inward, those problems or repetitive patterns ended up being my ways of manifesting. I need validation. I need validation from this person. And in what ways can I fill that void or that emptiness inside myself? Because I wasn't available to give that love, that nurturing, that care, that compassion to myself, to give that emotional healing to myself to give that type of depth of care and of love to myself. And so I would go running after that to try to find that from romantic partners. And I see this with everyone, it's a different flavor. Some people go running after that in friend groups to be part of a social circle, to feel popular, to feel loved, to feel connected with friends. Some people go running after that through substance use, through feeling good and comfortable, through using different substances. Some people go running after that through shopping, through using credit cards. Some people go running after that through food and through any type of anything that we can use. There's, I think, no limit to what we can seek to fill that void with. And for me, my specific flavor was <laughs> seeking romantic validation from people who I had been dating. Right. And so that's where I turned specifically to that because I was like, oh, I know this wound very well because I had such a gaping, strong wound in that area. And I studied inside and out what that meant to me and I dissected that and I looked at my trajectory and so I use myself as a self-study and so I joke I joke to clients that I like a like when you experiment on something and so I think that the, the phrase would be like a lab rat right when you're testing something out and I joke to to people that I work with I say don't worry you're not None of this that I'm saying or sharing with you is being tested on you because I have lived through these things. And so I was my own experiment. And so I was my own self-study. And I had to completely scrap and redo, like I said, my life because I was saying I can't keep on repeating this anymore because I'm not happy with having such low emotional control and having such highs and lows and such volatility that is completely contingent upon whether this partner loves me and accepts me in the way I wanted to be treated or the way I wanted to be validated or whomever it was that I was trying to get that validation from. And yeah, I actually, I want to, I want to pause you right here for a second. Cause I think this is so important with the relationships. Cause we are like mm-hmm. constantly seeking approval and validation, um, from others. And I Mm -hmm. see this all the time as we're complaining about dating or, you know, oh, this guy's an asshole or this girl's like a bitch or whatever, like whatever it is, we're complaining about other people. And 
what ends up happening is we keep on attracting the same type of person until we actually go inward and start yes. to look at ourselves and to like look at, at our own wounds. And But it's also, it's bigger than romantic relationships, which is exactly what you were saying in that it's, it's not just significant others. Like we do this with friends, with mentors, with teachers, with coaches, social situations. Like I know for me, I was constantly attracting groups of people where I was overgiving and my needs were not being met. And that was my form of control. That was my form of control. And I kept doing it. And then I would burn out because for me, it felt safer to overgive and burn out than to receive love and real authentic support. And I think that's actually part of this is how Jessica and I got connected in the first place because I had this massive aha and breakthrough of, oh my God, like I don't feel safe receiving love. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly like how this all started. And, And actually, Jessica, if you want to share kind of what you shared with me about it being self-love and more about what, what that was. Yeah. And that was a huge moment for you that you had shared with me, because again, to your point, relationships can be romantic. They could be aromantic, like you said, for anyone, depending on what they're specifically looking in forms of validation, it can be a relationship with whomever. And to your point about saying, I had that, you had that moment where you realized I don't feel safe in my body receiving love part of that that I've observed for myself as well too is that conditioning social cultural conditioning of so what is love Mm, and us looking at breaking down uh, the examples that we see for example let's say in a lot of movies or a lot of online series or video series like on Netflix or even book series, things like that. And (laughs) I don't necessarily, there's not a specific way of calling out a specific book or movie and saying, oh, this is a horrible example of codependent love. But just in general, culturally, so many of the examples that we see that we're so captivated by are examples of incredibly unhealthy and codependent yeah. love. Yeah. And so internalizing these messages as a young teenager reading the Twilight Saga, growing up reading the Twilight series, and then transitioning in my college years to reading Fifty Shades of Grey, and then watching romance movies and rom-coms and all these really like intense, right? Like hot and cold love, like where he's chasing after her or she's chasing after him. And and it's like this push and pull and you get just so caught up in like, oh, that's just, that's like romance. It's so raw. It's so emotional. And so we start adapting this idea of, well, that's what love looks like. Love looks like him chasing after you or love looks like you chasing after him or love looks like, you know, them not texting you back or calling you back, but then they show up with a huge bouquet of flowers and, and they do love bombing. And so we see all these examples of contemporary love that teach us codependency And that teach us like, I'm not okay if you're not okay. Like with Twilight, (laughs) for example, that teach us um, non-consent, that teach us all these really contentious or challenging things about sex and sexuality. As with in Fifty Shades of Grey, there are multiple examples where the primary person or the male protagonist ends up completely violating and disrespecting the female protagonist's boundaries. And that's just like, oh no, that's just, you know, that's because he loves her. 
and because he's possessive of her and all these things and I'm not even going to get into that that's a whole other podcast recording but which would like, be what a are, conversation oh my goodness but when I was reading that at 19 years old I was like wow this is so like intense this is so romantic this is so sexy and looking back at that almost 10 years later, I'm like, absolutely, that is absolutely not acceptable. Like nothing about that is acceptable. That is so inappropriate, but you know, to each their own, as long as the people are consenting, but the, 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 bi- the boundary violations are coming when, when the, both parties are not fully consenting. But anyway, so having all these messages, of course, it's really challenging to feel safe in our bodies in our relationships and in ourselves to receive and give authentic love. And what does that love look like? And as an adult woman now recently in the past, however long, it hasn't been too long recently that I finally started breaking down and reconstructing, well, what does love mean to me? Does love mean validation? Does love mean attention? Does love mean you do what I want? Which is what I learned. I learned that loves me, love means that you're being validated. They give you attention. They do what you want. If they don't do what you want, it's because they don't love you. If you don't do what I want, you're not being loving towards me. And so I basically grew up with zero concept of boundaries, zero. And I joked with people who I was learn as I was learning this process, I joked and I said, how have I lived my entire life without knowing what a boundary is and without having a boundary? Because I thought when someone said no to me, no, I'm not available. No, I don't want to do that. I was like, you clearly don't love me. Like, yeah. how could you treat me like this? Right. You know? Like I go out of my way for you. I meet all your needs. I'm bending over backwards for you. And then you you tell me no, how dare you? And it was just recently that I was coming to construct the deconstruct the fact that I learned a completely misconstrued concept of love. And it starts with the self and saying, no, I don't have the energy to do that right now. Or no, I'm not available for you right now to do that. I don't have time right now. That is self-love. And so I started taking all of what I was looking for in a partner and saying, what if I could give that to myself? And that just blew my mind. And so I wanted a person to love me, to hold me, to validate me, to be there for me, to tell me I was incredible, to tell me I was successful, to tell me I'm beautiful, all these things. And I said, what if I could give that to myself? And I don't have to chase after anyone ever again in my life because I will never again need someone to look me in the eyes and say, Jessica, you're beautiful. Jessica, you're worth it. Jessica, you're intelligent. All these things that I couldn't say to myself that I was trying to get from someone else. And so that was that ultimate reclaiming of my power. And that has been that process of how I'm transmitting and teaching that to people and saying, when you're in this power and you embody this power, it's not that you don't want love from other people. It's not that you reject anyone else's praise or approval or validation. But it's just that you don't need that. So the key word is need. And you actually become safer in your body to receive love when you genuinely give that love and nurturing to yourself first, because then you know you're safe to receive that love and you trust that you can receive and hold space for that love because you don't need that from someone else. Yeah, you just nailed like so many concepts. <laughs> but the reclaiming your power, I, I want to talk about this because like women have so much internal power and wisdom. And there's a reason that we have been conditioned to look for external validation and to measure our self-worth by other people. Because mm-hmm. when we actually love ourselves and embrace ourselves, we are so, so powerful. And we're not even talking about 
sexual power either, but like, you know, just to go there, like a woman mm-hmm. can orgasm on her own. She does not need anyone. She doesn't. Need anyone. <laughs> yes. and, and that's the truth. And that sexual power, I mean, it's so attractive. And that's if you're familiar with law of attraction, when a woman mm-hmm. is in her sexual expression, she can attract whatever the fuck she wants. And it starts with self-love and it starts with self-respect and self and boundaries. And when somebody says no to you, right, it's, you know, there's something wrong with that, but if they don't have time for you, then that just means that maybe you're not attracting the right people. Maybe there's somebody else who does have time for you and is going to make you a priority. So I guess it comes down to like, when we love ourselves, we attract what we want and we get what we want because we know that we are not settling for less. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what I say about being a recovering people pleaser. When I was in the state of people pleasing, I'll do what you want. I just want you to pay attention to me. I want you to have some time for me, you know, as long as you give me, I call it the breadcrumbs. So like, as long as you give me the breadcrumbs, that'll be fine. Right. Instead of having the whole freaking buffet. Right. And so realizing that you are worthy of more love and time and attention than just the breadcrumbs that someone else has to offer you can only be a place that you can come to for yourself when you step into and embody that sense of self-worth and self-love exactly like what you were saying, Jocelyn, because when we step into and embody that we're freaking unstoppable. Like there is nothing that can bring your sense of self-worth down once you have such a solid and grounded sense of self-worth that you understand your own value. And so once you're at that point, what I've come to realize is that me standing in that power means that somebody coming at me with anger or yelling at me or calling me names, for example, theoretically, right? Let's suppose that is a place where, where before I maybe would get angry and start yelling back and be like, who the hell do you think you are? Like, don't, you know, don't you dare talk to me before and get into that defensive mode or, or I would take that and be like, oh, they're angry. Maybe I should just take it. Let them calm down. That gets to a point where when you're standing in that power and something uncomfortable happens or someone tries to test your boundaries or push you in a way that is not acceptable to you anymore, you can stand in that power and say, I don't accept you speaking to me this way. And unless you can calm down or lower your voice, I'm walking away and we're not having this conversation. And that was never something that I would have been able to say before. Before I would either yell back and be like, oh, don't you yell at me or whatever, whatever, like, right. Or, or, or just shut up and take it. And be like, oh, there must be something I did wrong. You know, maybe this person's disappointed in me and I let them down. You know, I love, it's a family member or a loved one. And not having that sense of self-love or standing in that power literally makes you susceptible to anyone else's mood, to anyone else's way of treating you, to anyone else's way they think you deserve to be treated. But when you have that power and you step in that power, like you said, nobody can bring you down from that even if they throw insults at you, even if they yell at you, even if they shame you or guilt you or say, you're bad, you shouldn't have done this. You get to stand in your power and say, I don't accept you talking to me that way and et cetera, et cetera. And so you can fill in the blanks with whatever is most appropriate for you. But it's just like, that is a level of power, like to what you were saying that I had never known I was capable of. And because like you said, maybe even coming back to the concept of as women, My first role model was in Disney princess movies from the 1990s and the 1980s. And so my first role model was the Sleeping Beauty, Aurora, 
And I remember watching that and the prince came and he slayed Maleficent and he saved her and he gave her a kiss and she woke up. And I remember internalizing that and saying, oh, I want my prince to come and save me. So that was my first role model of like, this is what it is to be a woman, right? I faint, I'm frail, I'm fragile. I need someone to come save me. And I so deeply internalized that story that I never gave myself permission to step into that power or even dip my toes into it. The only permission that I would ever have or give myself would be if I felt angry, maybe I would say something, but that's not power, that's reactivity. You're definitely not alone in that story. I mean, I see this all the time and it's like the Disney princess bullshit of like, yeah, (laughs) to be fucking saved by some (laughs) mediocre white male. Um, yeah exactly we don't take action we like stay in our beds and hide away and just assume that like our prince is coming and like yeah it's yeah there's lots of like Hollywood stuff that yeah yeah (laughs) and and what's interesting is that even Disney has changed its storyline and so Disney from the 1990s when I was growing up now they have different and even more badass and empowered protagonists and so they're not necessarily in that same path as well of embodying that cultural idea of oh this is what it's like this is love this is romance this is what it is to be feminine and they're able now to produce more content more movies that are more appropriate and that show different characters embodying that powerful role and I'm really grateful for that because I've seen that transition and I've seen that shift but yeah, unfortunately that wasn't available for me or to me when I was a young child growing up and internalizing all these ideas. And so learning about that and seeing that form of, oh, this is what it's like, is such a dramatic shift to being able to step into that power and that feminine power and embody that femininity and embody that self-love to such a degree that you say nobody else is taking this self-love and this self-nurturing and this self-care that I have for myself away from me nobody can take that away from me I think that um Frozen does a beautiful job of really embodying more of that women empowerment and it kind of shows you I I love Frozen Frozen is so amazing at describing the whole trauma healing process because at the uh, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it yet but it's the sisterly love that basically unfreezes the entire town. And it just shows you the power of love. Um, Basically like the entire city is frozen and that it's not a guy. Like, it's not like some guy saves her. It's she fucking saves herself and she, Mm -hmm. you know, accepts helps from, from her sister. And it's, you know, with love, it's, it has to be romantic. We only have one word for love, but you know, love shows up in all different ways. Um, beyond relationships, you can have a relationship with God or that, which is greater nature. Like it's really all around us. And, Mm -hmm. um, but we're so conditioned of like, this is how it looks and anything else is wrong and bad. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and it's all in that definition of what is love? What does that look like? What does that mean to you? And exactly like what you were saying, even in the word relationship, like relationship doesn't always mean romantic. It can be a relationship, like you said, with your higher source. It can be a relationship with nature, a relationship with a loved one or a pet or a sibling. Mm-hmm. And just looking at all those ways that we are open to either giving or receiving love. Another thing that was really powerful for me as well, too, was being very, very self-honest and brutally self-honest. So honest with myself about 
how am I giving love? And there were some moments where I had to be very honest with myself and say, okay, I am giving love right now, or I'm giving, let's say a certain type of attention because I want something in return. And I had to get very honest with myself and say, was that more authentic? Am I giving out of my purest place of my heart where I'm giving with no expectations? You know, if this person does not reciprocate completely fine, no hard feelings, like nothing negative, totally okay. Or am I giving this type of love or this attention or this, whatever it is, this compliment, because I want something in return. And when I started noticing that, I was shocked with how often I would do something compassionate or give something kind because deep down, not superficially, I couldn't tell from the surface, but I had to really go deep down and say, oh, I wanted something in return. Whether that was someone to say, thanks, you too, or like, thanks, have a nice day too, or to smile back at me. Or if that was for someone to go out of their way for me, or maybe do something loving to me back. And it was a very fascinating process seeing that. And what you had mentioned, Jocelyn, about giving and giving and giving and finally being burnt out. I noticed that when I found myself in those cycles more often than not, that's because I was giving, but from the place of being a martyr, not from the place of being someone who's genuinely in her loving power and standing in her power. I was giving from a place of martyrdom of, oh, woe is me. I've given so much and no one's giving back to me. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I want to wrap us up for the sake of time, but the, the giving from unmet needs. And we think that's like helping and it's not. So stop right. that. <laughs> if you're, listening <laughs> and you're, you're giving because somebody else has it worse than you or has less than, or like, you know, you have privilege, which, oh my God, it's another conversation. Um, oh yeah. Just if you are giving from a place of guilt, stop, it's not helping. <laughs> like we yeah. are giving from empowerment and giving yeah. from like the goodness of our hearts and giving with boundaries and making sure that our needs are met first. Absolutely. Perfectly, perfectly wrapped up. Couldn't have said that better, but making sure, right. That your cup is filled first, that your needs are met first by whom, by yourself, mm-hmm. that you are filling up your, yourself with love, with validation, with appreciation, and with all the things that other people could also give to you, but you can primarily get that from yourself too. And uh, there's one other thing that I actually did want to talk about with the validation is mm-hmm. that, um, you know, we, we, there's this whole thing in the spiritual self-help world is the only person that you need validation from is yourself and nobody else's opinion matters. And it's very much yes. And, and yes. I bring Brene Brown's work into this because we are humans and we are wired for connection. And so we do need validation and we do need support, but it's very much who am I getting support from? And, you know, Brene Brown, she's, it's not the critic who counts. And if you're not also in the arena showing up, getting your ass kicked, like, I'm not interested in what you have to say. And, And this is really the key. And this is how I look at it. If you have never gone to the places where I want to go, then I'm not interested in your feedback. So all the haters on social media, all the critics like that are burnt out and frustrated and they just criticize you completely disregard that shit. And then (laughs) support and the people that really do love you and care about you and embrace your imperfections because we do need that support. Um, And when Mm -hmm. we are showing up from that state, you're going to feel so much better. 
That is perfect. That is so perfect. And I love that quote from Bene Brown as well, because it's completely relevant and being careful of whose opinions you listen to. And what is a little challenging is sometimes talking about self-love, it can sound like an isolating thing. Talking about self-love can sound like, oh, screw everyone else or everyone else's opinions. I don't care about anyone else. But that's actually, I don't support that because I feel like that's not a healthy perspective to have of self-love. For me, self-love means that I can get that validation and love for myself first. And in my network and in my bubble and my social circle, I have people who support me and love me and cheer me on. Like you said, it's not a sense of self-isolation of, oh, it's only me. I don't care about anyone else. Nobody else's opinions matter. And I think often it's taken to that extreme, like you said, but also the other extreme of people pleasing is everyone's opinions matter. Everyone has to think highly of me. Everyone has to think that I'm freaking incredible. And if they don't, that hurts my feelings so much. And so, like you said, it's finding that balance. And I had even said a caveat earlier on in our conversation where I was saying, it doesn't mean that you don't take love and appreciation from someone else. You do, but it means that you don't need that love and appreciation for someone else. Therefore you can openly receive it because you don't need it in order to, let's say, survive. And so it gives you that space to be able to actually safely receive that love in yourself and in your body, because you, like you said, have that social network of support of the people who are in the arena, getting their asses kicked right along with you, or they've already been in the arena and they dusted themselves off and they got up and they made it out. And those are the people, right, that you want to get their feedback and their opinions from. And so being very aware and cautious of who you take advice from, who you take opinions from. And really making sure that person is someone who's walked that walk and walked that journey and yeah. trusting that. Okay. So there's so much more that I want to talk about. And so <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're going to have to do a part two. To be um, continued. To, to be continued for sure. Uh, but for now, Jessica, if you can share how people can get in touch with you to learn more. Absolutely. So I can be reached on my website at www.jessicaashleysteel.com. The spelling for that is J-E-S-S-I-C-A-A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-E-E-L-E. People get a little bit messed up on my last name, but it's steel like the metal with an E at the end. Or also on social media, on Instagram, it's at Jessica underscore compassion. And those are the two primary ways that would be easiest to get in contact with me. Perfect. Yeah. So if you are resonating with this conversation, please reach out. It's an incredibly important topic. It's honestly the root of everything. And yes. I have been doing, <laughs> doing self-help therapy for years and it has always come back to self-love every single time literally literally the root of everything but that's just our biased opinion so don't take our word for it but check it out for yourself on (laughs) on whether that resonates with you but I keep on coming back to it too Jocelyn for me it has been the literal root of everything so I completely agree with you yes Um, (laughs) and I think everyone's gonna see more of this in my coaching as well as my business continues to evolve Mm -hmm. but absolutely this was an awesome conversation. We have more. So if you want to learn more, come find us. Um, and we are happy to support you. So thank you everyone for tuning in and we'll see you in the next episode.
you love what you heard, go ahead and give this podcast a follow. I would love to connect with you. So head over to Instagram and send me a DM with all of your ahas, your insights, and appreciations at Jocelyn underscore Resnick. To learn more about upcoming programs and events, you can visit my website, www.jocelynresnick.com. It has been an absolute pleasure changing the world with you.